Before we dive into today's show, I want to introduce you guys to another great podcast available on Spotify called Clearly Unclear, hosted by Matt Zabrowski. This podcast dives into sports, pop culture, video games, music, and more. So if you're looking for a diverse podcast that also talks a lot of sports, look no further than Clearly Unclear by Matt Zabrowski, available on Spotify. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with Peace Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Wednesday, April 12th. Glad to have you back with us. If I sound a little bit quiet right now, it's because I got done with my 11-hour workday. Chopping with my boy Matt Zabrowski, who you heard in the intro. We were talking about this Pelicans and OKC Thunder game. Also talked with the wife and kiddo for a bit. There's a lot to get to right now. But if, I, if I'm talking quiet, because it's almost 9 o'clock at night where I'm at, just trying to put in that extra time, that overtime, get that extra grind in, extra episode, because I'm not going to be on the microphone for the next two or three days. So you got to get in where you fit in. Remember, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives, so we can keep this thing growing the way that we have it over the last... Man, two, three weeks, it's been really blowing up. And before I get into the content, I do really want to tell you guys that what what's really cool to me in this space is knowing that the one thing that I've always wanted to do is be everybody's number one podcast. Now, the likeliness of that ever happening is really slim. But what's cool is the fact that when I upload these episodes... And they go to Spotify first, and then they usually get uploaded to Apple Podcasts and then Google Podcasts shortly after that. As far as the actual time frame of the moment I press upload to the the actual services that they're distributed to, that's kind of the order. And it's really, as far as individual achievements of mine, that's probably the thing that makes me the most proud. You know, the the, the day you get married, buy your first house, have your first kid, like with, with us, it's first and only. Those types of things, like th- those things aren't matched. But as far as individual achievements that you really put in the work in and you see the moment that you upload an episode that there's people already listening to it, the moment that you do it, that you're somebody's number one show, Man, I tell you what, like, I never thought that I would ever get to that kind of moment, that position. Because I I told the story, this was a while ago. We got a lot of new listeners now, though. So story time for a bit, if you guys can hang with me. Um, I've always wanted to have my own sports show. That's the one thing that I always wanted to do growing up. Not even, like, growing up entirely. I wanted to be, if we were to go the hierarchy of what my dreams were, it was shooting guard for the Phoenix Suns. I was a huge Phoenix Suns fan back in the day. Love Charles Barkley. I love those those squads with Kevin Johnson and Dan Marley. Charles Barkley again, like he's he was my, my favorite player growing up. So that was like the that was my gig. That's what I wanted to do when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And then you realize that professional basketball is nowhere within your sights. Being a white kid from Alaska, you got no shot. So you got to start 
going different avenues and I struggled a lot trying to find my way I between my, my late teens, my early twenties. It wasn't until I was probably in my mid twenties that I even remotely started to find my way of just, of just finding what I want to do with my life. And like, this, this is something that I would like to be able to make it my full-time career. I'm not sure if it'll ever get there, but it's cool to know that, you know, that there's people out there who actually want to hear my voice that legitimately take time out of their day to make sure that I'm part of theirs. And that's a really, really cool feeling. And I wouldn't be, I I wouldn't be able to feel that sensation without you guys. And I really do. I really do appreciate all that you guys have done to, to get me to this spot. And I hope that we can get it going even further. But the, the story I was going to tell is, you know, I didn't have any background in this. I had no, no schooling. I'm actually a three-time college dropout. <laughs> you know, I've been working in underwriting. I've done everything from jewelry sales to car sales. I was a DJ. I work in banking and financing and everything in between. But I got a shot to do radio in Alaska a little over two years ago. And that was my first gig. Like, that was I, because I had no training whatsoever. It was a, a friend of mine who worked at a local radio station. And uh, they're like, hey, we're thinking about doing some new segments, some new work. And we want to do a sports show. And we know that you're, you know, widely known around this. It's a small community, so I'm not trying to, you know, to my own horn too much. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm widely recognized in this town. And I thought, you know, I'll give you a shot and throw it in. And about three or four episodes. And unfortunately, the person that got me that gig ended up getting fired. And it wasn't that they necessarily said, like, to me directly that they wouldn't retain me. But I just figured if I couldn't work with the guy who got me that gig, I didn't want to do it. Because uh, I, I probably could have gone back and asked them directly, hey, what about me? But it was a very, yeah, I guess it was three, four weeks, just a few episodes. And I figured with how new I was into it, if they really thought it was doing great, they would have contacted me directly and said, hey, we want to keep you. And I'd like to think that I would say no, because I, I really don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bull you guys and say, oh, I, I, I definitely turned out because I don't know. But I really wasn't going to pursue it without the person who helped me get that gig. So I took a few moments, by man, probably four months or so, and I was like, man, that was a one shot I have. That was a one shot I had about doing this. And then I took, a, like I said, I took a step back, reevaluated, and thought, well, I could just give up or let me try to do this avenue. And it's been a long road. The thing is that there's over 2 million podcasts out there. And that's the other thing that makes it so cool is that I know that a lot of these, they give up and they, they flame out after a few episodes. People get tired. They realize how difficult it is, especially when you're doing it by yourself. This is a real tough gig to do by yourself, especially when you have another job and you have a career um, and you've got, family and friends and you know you're just getting pulled in a bunch of different directions you got responsibilities but the thing that you really have the passion for you try to make time for and that's why I'm doing this after I woke up at three o'clock this morning couldn't go back to bed worked 11 hours and like the reason why I do this is because I don't want to have to do what I do 
I want to do this. And I can't do that without putting in those hours, right? But I've, I've rambled long enough. Y'all want to hear me make fun of Daniel Jones, don't you? Because I know that I do. So I was scrolling through my socials this morning, and uh, I saw that Saquon Barkley is like, nah, I'm not playing on that franchise tag. Nah, you can miss me with all that bullshit. And I thought, that's really funny, isn't it? And on top of that, well, I mean, well, this is this is a very compounded transaction. Dexter Lawrence doesn't want to resign either. So what you have here is the guy who largely made Daniel Jones look good on the offensive side of the ball. And then a key component on their defensive side of the ball going, yeah. Y'all wanted to pay him, but the only reason why he looked good is because we made that boy look good. But we going to make all y'all look like fools. And I don't blame them. I really don't. We had David Avers on the show a few weeks ago, and he's like, look, I am a Patriots fan. I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but I've never wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to ever fail more than I want him to fail now. So everybody can see exactly how much that dude has been getting carried which is exactly my thought process with Daniel Jones. It's not even just me. It's Saquon and Dexter Lawrence as well. Now, I'm not usually hot take, dude. When I look at these things, we see players, because I'm I'm very pro player. I've been very open about that. And we see this sometimes where the players will not sign franchise tags or they will not sign certain deals or they'll get cut and then get re-signed because there's always kind of like an under-the-table handshake kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? For me, I just don't feel like this is it, though. This, to me, feels like Saquon is looking at this going, man, I've broken my body for this organization. I'm the only dude who's worth a on this offensive roster. Y'all signed Kenny motherfucking Galladay to pay him basically $100 million or so to catch 14 passes, basically. And I remember when Galladay signed with the Giants. And he said, I signed here because I could win. And I'm like, nah, you signed it because they're the only idiots that would pay you. And now we look at this transaction when it's completely finished. And I was right on that. But I remember people saying, this is a great hire for Dale. Not a great hire, but a great signing. Dale Jones is going to take exponential steps because of Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, get out of here. Saquon's looking across the room. He's looking at everybody in these rooms and going, wow. Yeah, why are you paying this dude? And we're going back to a little bit of the same talking points of yesterday's show. We're like, yo, you can get a running back in the first run if you need one. But if you already know you're not going to pay them, don't pay them a second contract. So the Giants, I understand what the Giants are doing. If you're just looking at it, if you're going to compartmentalize this, I understand why you don't want to pay Saquon the big money. But if the only reason why Daniel Jones even looked somewhat competent is because of Saquon Barkley, you got to pay Saquon as well. Or draft a running back, which might be the way they're going to do it. But I swear, this is, look, this is what will happen. I'm with like 98% certainty. If Saquon walks, he's going to sign in division. Maybe he goes to Dallas. Maybe he goes to Philly, and then he did, then then Philly doesn't even have to draft a running back, which is kind of what we've been hearing. Maybe Bijan Robinson. 
right? They're like, hey, because they're not they're not paying running backs. Like, yeah, you guys can get out of here. We'll we'll sign another one. We'll draft one. Saquon to me, that would be the ultimate revenge story because it's the only reason why Daniel Jones even looked like he was mediocre. And I would absolutely take that personally if I was Saquon Barkley. But I do find it interesting as well that Dexter Lawrence is also saying, nah, dog, look, I'm not about it. Nah, 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 nah. Daniel Jones, you're going to pay him and not pay me? I see this a lot with, not a lot, but as a Bills fan, there was a time where the defense was really the strong suit. And we had this, this, this span where we had the Kevin Cobbs and the Trent Edwards and the EJ Manuals of the world. And the defense was always having to keep these guys in games. Uh, we got a little bit with Tyrod Taylor because that offense was so God when they finally broke, when the bills finally broke their playoff drought with Tyrod Taylor a few years ago, that offense was dog, just absolute doo-doo butter with like Kelvin Benjamin, Charles Clay, and an old broken LaShawn McCoy. There was nothing there. Absolutely nothing. And the defense is the one like you got to win games. If, if you give up anything more than 17, you're completely done. Like just, just count it as an automatic L. Whoever gets to 17 first, like that's pretty much it. And your defensive squad starts to get pissed off because they're the only reason why you're even in games. They're carrying you. And you can think that it doesn't matter in a locker room. Like, oh, as long as we're winning, that's the great, that, that masks everything. It's the great deodorant, right? It wipes away all the stank. As long as you win it. Nope. No. How you win still matters. And again, there is still a chance that those two still re-sign with the Giants. Okay, I don't want to be definitive dude and say I know this is going to happen. But this particular transaction, this seems more personal. I hope they never play it down again for the Giants. I would be absolutely furious if you want to pay Daniel mother Jones $40 million a year but completely disregard all the dudes who carried his ass there. You know what's wild? DeAndre Aiden's 24, and he's been looking like he's been two days away from retirement for the past six years. <laughs> it's it's wild how old that man looks. There's certain players that I look at, and it just makes me think a certain way. Like, I look at him saying, He's God, like you look like an old man, dog. And then I was watching this Pelicans and Thunder game tonight, and I was looking at Jonas Valanciunas, and I'm just looking at him like, yo, you you're basically just the hardwood version of Travis Kelsey. And not even just that, like in that game alone, you got a bunch of lookalikes. CJ McCollum looks like Urkel. To me, Brandon Ingram is basically a carbon copy of Wiz Khalifa too. It's it's just bananas. I don't know if you guys have any dudes who you like, you see them and you automatically you do word association with somebody else. That game alone had multiple ones. But I was texting my boy Matt, Matt Zabrowski, who I gave a plug at the beginning of the show for. And uh, we're going back and forth in this game. And we're th- we both kind of thought it. And then we, we were both watching the game. So I know we probably both heard the same thing was Stephen A saying, you know, if Zion's just out there, Pelicans are a contender. Now, to be fair, Stephen A does that with everybody. Like every every eighteen minutes, he changes his mind on who's a contender and who's not. He doesn't take any like real accountability for what he says because he knows that he's gonna have forty thousand takes throughout the day, so he just moves it to the next one, just keeps it moving. 
But New Orleans is one of those teams that you figure that if Zion was God, if Zion was just out there, because when he's when he's out there, the dude's super efficient playmaker, and God, he's basically a walking twenty ten dude and give you anywhere between four and six assists a game as well. Like you need him out there. I don't know if they'd still be favored to win the West or anything that they had him. But obviously, he makes them a good deal better if he is out there. And I don't, I don't want to get to the point where this is me just saying, "Well, he's just a big dude, and you know, he he just can't, he can't take care of himself." Struggle with this, right? Like as somebody who enjoys watching the game, and also the person itself, because I, I don't want to disconnect myself so far from the person. If it's something that he can't control, you you'd like to think that he could. But we've we've seen this from him, right? But he's getting the body shaming because he's missing games. It's actually literally affecting him physically. Like Luca comes in every year out of shape. He's just pudgy, but he doesn't really miss games. Because of Zion's frame, he is missing just an absurd amount of regular season games. And now in the postseason, if they had him today, they're most likely winning that game. But on top of the physical stuff, he's he's starting to throw out that I'm not mentally ready for it. And that's where that starts to bug me at times. Because again, like I as somebody who deals with these things on the regular, what what I what I try to do is show a level of compassion for not just athletes, but all people. Because I don't know your story and I don't know what you're going through and what you've been through. I'm always willing to give you the benefit of doubt initially. Once you start to me over and lie to me, then we have an issue. And this is one of those things where I'm I'm never going to meet Zion Williamson. Like, there's no reason for me to be upset with this. But I do get upset with when people start hiding behind mental illness as a crutch instead of just not wanting to deal with stuff which is what it felt like Ben Simmons was doing. Like he was given the opportunity to be examined by team doctors, his own doctors. And he's like, nah, nah I'm, just, I'm, I'm good. I just, I just don't feel right. I'm not, I'm not mentally ready for it. I defended that dude forever. And if Zion is feeling this way, I want him to get right. I do. But it also comes down to what I saw. Like if we're just going to keep it in the same basketball family, the same thing happened with John Morant. I had brought up a few weeks ago, maybe John's just an asshole. You know, maybe maybe this is just who he is, and he's been hiding behind the facade of having the great parents and, a, and an easy upbringing that he was just riding the coattails of that, but now we're really seeing who he is as a person. I've been to therapy before. I'm going to tell y'all real quick. You don't fix whatever's going wrong with you upstairs, especially what's going on with him. You don't fix that in four days. What you're doing is making a mockery of people who actually do have to go through this struggle every day. And that type of ain't cool. So if you have something legitimately that you are worried about, whether it be an anxiety, the thing for me too is I understand how the anxiety could ramp up, especially at that level. You're a super young kid. 
And like right now, like they're 24 or something. But I mean, they're, they're still they're still young, but I wouldn't call them kids. But when they're coming into the league, they're 19, 20 years old, and it's just millions of dollars just getting thrown at you right then. A lot of these people aren't equipped to be able to handle that and everything that goes along with it. And everyone's trying to get in your own pockets, especially the people that you grew up with or people who you thought were your friends now are using you just because of the money or people that you didn't know beforehand trying to get in your pockets now. So I do understand how that's a lot to grasp and a lot to take in at a very young age and a very rapid approach. But if you if you have something you got to work through, take the steps to work through it. You can't just hide behind the very easy thing that we do with social media now is just say that and then tuck and run. Because once you do that, like societally, we're really not allowed to confront you about it, right? Like once you say that you have anxiety, once you say that you have mental health issues, once you put it out there in the open, you really can't do much to criticize somebody. If you really do, and you need the help, go get the help. But God do not spit in the face of all of us that had to deal with this on the regular just because you don't like it when someone talks bad about you. A little bit more of a gloomy episode than we usually have. But like I said, I was already up at 3 o'clock in the morning for my 11-hour day. Got to go work another 11 after my commute to work tomorrow. So you guys know the drill. Please make sure to tell somebody either about the episode itself, the show in its entirety. We can try to keep this thing going. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, chop it up, Peace God Nation. Y'all stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you guys on the next one.